Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot, and the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. All right, hello, welcome in. Monday edition of the program. We are in the month of November. We made it through Halloween in October, which means to me it's holiday season. Thanksgiving will be here in just, what, three and a half weeks. Christmas will be here in just under two months. Basketball season, which may be the biggest holiday treat of any that you could give us here in southern Indiana, begins at the collegiate level just days from now. And, of course, high school basketball, the girls underway. There are some girls games later this week after there were scrimmages over the weekend. And the boys' basketball season, it officially begins in one week with practices as well and games will take place that following week. So we have so much to talk about, so much to cover coming up. This is one of these times a year, uh, really November through March or later March, depending on how local teams do, whether it's IU at the college level or our local high school teams, where there's not a lot of uh, wondering what we're going to talk about on the program. It's going to be a lot of basketball all the time and uh, a lot of great guests. We've got to preview the high school season. We've kind of started to do that with some of the coaches and a few players. We've got a lot of additional people to talk with and of course IU games will be here before you know it. Uh, But a lot to get to today. We do know that IU played in a secret scrimmage over the weekend at the KFC Yum Center and we don't know much about the result or how the game went other than Indiana was victorious. And I'll tell you about that coming up here in just a moment. Also, today is decision day for Noah Clowney, who is set to decide between Indiana, Alabama, and Virginia Tech. I scoured the internet this morning for the very latest on Clowney. What are the predictions out there? What's the feeling of the IU people, the media folks, Alabama, Virginia Tech, and I'll kind of give you a roundup of what I found out here just coming up in our headlines in a moment. So two big stories today. Belmont, uh, IU gets a win over Belmont in the secret scrimmage, and Noah Clowney set to make his decision at 5 p.m. today. We'll see if he chooses the Hoosiers or not. And, of course, secondary to all of that, which I think we thought a few months ago that IU football might still be moving the needle Uh, Even as we entered November, uh, IU football loses on the road. A better performance. I'm excited about Donovan McCauley and his future as the IU quarterback. We'll talk about his performance here in just a few moments as well. And uh, IU played better. The offense, at least in general, played better on Saturday. It was the defense, which has been the, the, the solid part of the team, Uh, they are the ones that let uh, their guard down and didn't perform to par on Saturday, and I think a big reason for the loss. But Indiana was close. Indiana was in the ball game. It was a fun game to watch, 
And now Indiana basically, I, I, there's no path to a bowl game. I know mathematically it's still possible if they win all of their games the rest of the way. But let's be honest, uh, it doesn't matter if Penix is back or not, Tuttle back or not. McCauley gets more, which I think is maybe the route to go, valuable snaps at QB the rest of the way. Uh, they're not going to beat Michigan, and they're not going to run the table undefeated, I don't think. So, uh, bowl hopes uh, all but over, I think, for this Indiana team as we move into their first November game coming up here this weekend. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one here in just a few moments, we'll have our Zaxby's headlines, a summary of the day's top IU in Southern Indiana sports news. Uh, we'll cover the Belmont secret scrimmage. We'll get into Noah Clowney's decision, and I'll tell you everything I could find, everything I know uh, in advance of his decision coming later this afternoon. A little bit more on IU football coming up as well. And it wasn't the best of weekends locally for high school teams. We'll cover the results from football to volleyball and even a, a soccer team, Providence, in the state championship game. Uh, things didn't go uh, the way of our local teams for the most part this weekend, and so we'll cover that here in the opening segment also. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals that are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Also, the Thornton's text line is open. Love to hear from you guys. Uh, love to get more texts to the show. I know we've got a lot of loyal listeners and just a few texters that uh, send in their questions and comments, but I'll get them on the air. It can be a question for a guest. It can just be a comment about something with local sports, high school sports, IU, whatever. As long as it's fairly tasteful, even if it's opinionated, I'll do my best to work it into the program. You can send those to 502-414-1450. That's 502-414-1450, the Thornton's text line. And while you're at it, don't forget Thornton's is the perfect stop for all of your best pick-me-up items that you need each and every day, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts and the Thornton's text line open here on this Monday, 502-414-1450. All right, let's get into our Zaxby's headlines, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. We'll start with the secret scrimmage played at the KFC Yum Center. And here's really all that we know, courtesy of Rick Bozich, who has a, quote, secret source. Uh, feeding him some information about this game. But IU won the secret scrimmage by 11 points and not a lot of other details, but uh, Rick did tweet out that IU was 11 for 11 from the free throw line, 8 of 23 from three-point range, and they out-rebounded Belmont by eight rebounds. Um, also, 11 of IU's 13 players were available for the scrimmage, but we do not know at this time who the two were that did not play. So Belmont, always a solid team, mid-major team. I think Ohio Valley Conference team, maybe now. They've switched conferences. I, I forget the particulars. But always has been a good program, a program that finds its way to the NCAA tournament. I think for Indiana to record a win in, in a secret scrimmage, I'll take it. 11-point victory for the Hoosiers. Good free throw shooting, uh, decent three-point shooting. Uh, maybe we would call that good three-point shooting compared to other uh, stat lines from last year's games. Uh, IU uh, standout Trace Jackson Davis. I did see that after the game he sent out uh, some happy faces on his Twitter account. No details. He probably was told not to send out any details from this secret scrimmage. But clearly I, I took that to mean he was very pleased with his performance and the team's performance as well. So, I guess the big question mark is, 
who are the two guys that didn't play? Are they big names, potential starters, key players coming off the bench? Or are they guys on down the roster that uh, we're not thinking and talking much about this time of year? I'm going to assume, going out on a limb here, uh, Michael Durr, the big man, the seven-footer, was was one of those guys. But uh, he, we know he's had some some issues staying healthy or getting healthy this offseason. Did not play in the Bahamas. Has been sidelined at at, at, at least at Hoosier Hysteria. Uh, so I'm going to assume that maybe one of those guys was him. But who was the other? Uh, don't know that we'll find out much more. I was hopeful we would get a box score. You can learn so much from a box score, obviously, just by breaking it down. But uh, we did not get one. At least we haven't so far, and no one has published one online anywhere that I've seen. IU in the past has sent out a box score to its list of media. But, again, as of uh, the show today, nothing from IU, not a peep on the uh, scrimmage Saturday. But Indiana victorious. Overall, without knowing details, I take it to be pretty good news as we get ready to head into the tip-off of the season. Also, the other big topic, I know people are very, very intrigued by Noah Clowney and what he would add to the 2022 class and what he would do for IU's just class overall and the the status of what will be likely after Clowney's decision later today, a close on class of 2022 recruiting for the Hoosiers and seniors for this year. Uh, I've looked just about everywhere that I can. Uh, Eric Balsey, who's been on this program before, he's the national director of 247 Sports Basketball Recruiting. Uh, He wrote over the weekend that he's not going to put in a crystal ball pick on the uh, Clowney recruitment, but he does believe, and if he had to put one in, he would probably uh, go with Indiana. He, He also mentioned in this story over the weekend that if IU were to land Clowney later today, that their recruiting class, their ranking as a class, would go from number 12, where it currently is, to a top 10 class, according to 247 Sports in Mike Woodson's first season. IU would be number nine if they were able to add Clowney uh, in the mix later today. So, And also, another thing that's interesting to me is Alabama, who maybe is the second contender uh, that I see people thinking about when it comes to Clowney. It used to be Virginia Tech for a long while, and it seems that maybe that's cooled a bit. Uh, I don't know that. Clowney has not sure not said that, but just kind of putting the tea leaves together, uh, that's what it looks like to me. But Alabama is set up for a big week one way or the other this week. There's a guy going to commit later today, and I don't have his name in front of me, but he also is a highly ranked player, and people think that he is going to choose Alabama. And then Clowney, of course, later today is a second Alabama target, and there's another one or two later in the week that are set to make their decision as well. So uh, people thinking this is going to be a good week, even if Alabama doesn't land Noah Clowney today, this will be a good week for Alabama basketball recruiting. But again, Eric Balsey, not confident enough is how I take that to put in a crystal ball pick for Noah Clowney. Mike Pegram of Peaks.com, who's really good at breaking this stuff down, and he, I think he's got like a 16 of 16 record in his all-time crystal ball picks on the 247 Sports platform Uh, He did not put in a crystal ball pick, but he told us last week he thought Indiana was in good shape. I think he even said on this program, but he wasn't confident enough with that thought to put in a crystal ball pick. And then I saw that Travis Branham, who also is a national recruiting writer, he he thought that maybe uh, Clowney was leaning toward Indiana. I think he said if he had to, to guess where he would go, he would lean that way. But again, nothing strong. And then there's a writer that I followed, someone named Chris Arvin. I don't know him. He's from a Virginia Tech 
website on the 247 Sports Network. He really seemed to have some pretty good information about Clowney's recruitment throughout. But things have cooled, apparently, uh, with Virginia Tech. In fact, uh, Arvin put in a crystal ball pick for uh, IU to get Clowney. And I don't know uh, Mr. Arvin at all, but he is 11 of 11 in his accuracy uh, in making picks in this 2022 class. So I uh, don't know who's, who else he's picked and if those have been contentious recruitings or not. But a Virginia Tech writer basically thinking that IU's going to land Clowney. So we'll find out later today if uh, some of those writings and leanings are true. Uh, and Clowney, by the way, is going to make his decision at CBS Sports HQ. If you Google that, you can pull it up. Uh, other players, uh, in fact, just uh, last week, uh, an IU player, uh, Ja'Kai Newton, made his decision on the CBS Sports HQ platform. But you'll be able to see that very easy to get to, very accessible. And uh, that is where Clowney will be announcing later today. I don't think anything's going to break. Uh, Jeff Rabjohns, I saw reporting earlier today that Clowney has not told anyone his decision. There's been uh, no one really in his, his circle that seems to know either. So this has been pretty close to the vest, and I think we'll find out together as we watch CBS Sports HQ at 5 o'clock today. But it does sound favorable for Indiana. That's when I put all this together. I think when we join together tomorrow for this show, We'll talk about Noah Clowney coming into the fold, but Alabama does seem to be a legitimate contender. So 5 o'clock today, Noah Clowney decides we'll break it all down Tuesday here on the program. All right, let's get into some IU football as well. Just a few notes that I, I made about IU football over the weekend. First off, Donovan McCauley, supposed to be a red shirt this year, getting a lot of very, very early experience, and I thought it was a great game overall for him. He wasn't that consistent I'm not sure you would expect a freshman to be consistent that's being thrown to the Wolves, but I believe that he is going to be a big-time talent for Tom Allen as we move into the future. And I want to say this as well. I know there's going to be some holes to fill next year, but I think IU football next year could be very intriguing. I don't think they're going to come into the season with the pressure or the expectations that this team did, but I do think that they have a chance to be a very solid program in the Big Ten uh, they may not beat the big dogs, but they should win the games or have a chance to win the games that you think they should. Uh, a couple things on uh, on uh, Donovan McCauley. He was 14 of 25 passing. He racked up 242 yards. He rushed 11 times. I think his longest was a 14-yard run. Uh, he Also, McCauley, uh, inconsistent, I mentioned this. He was 5 of 6 in passing in one stretch in the first half. And right when you think, man, this this guy, he's he's getting it. It's coming together for him. Then he was inconsistent and threw uh, seven straight passes incomplete. Uh, so lots of inconsistency, especially in the uh, first half. Then after that, uh, those marks in the first half, and for the rest of the game, in the final ten passes of the game, he completed eight of ten passes. So that was good. One thing about McCall, he wasn't afraid to try to look deep and wasn't afraid to throw the ball deep if he thought an opportunity was there for a big play. We just haven't seen that so far with Penix or Tuttle for whatever reason this season. I did find it interesting that after the game, uh, Coach Allen said he really doesn't know McCauley's long-term role. Penix and uh, Tuttle, he said, are still week to week. So uh, will uh, McCullough get additional starts? You would think so, especially after coming out uh, with a solid uh, play in the loss to Maryland. But, again, Coach Allen not immediately saying 
he's going to be the starter for this next game coming up for IU, which obviously is a big one when they take on Michigan. That's a look at our headlines for this Monday uh, edition of the program, November 1st. And as we head to commercial break, just a couple high school notes. Silver Creek Volleyball, hats off to them. They went to the semi-state battle, a very good rebuff team that's the favorite to win the 3A title. They got down two sets to nothing, won two sets in a row to tie it 2-2, Then in that fifth and final set to 15 points, Silver Creek comes out, scores the first point. Then I think Brebuff maybe scored seven in a row. Brebuff ultimately went on to win, but heck of a challenge and heck of a comeback by Silver Creek Volleyball. They were so close. And a heartbreaker for Providence Soccer, uh, Westview clips them, scoring some late goals to uh, stop Providence Soccer's chance at a repeat after winning it a year ago. You hate to see, you love to see locals get to the state championship, win or lose, but when it's all said and done, it is a sad note when they uh, when they cannot finish the job. But great season to Providence Boys Soccer as well. We'll catch up with high school football a little later in the program. To a commercial break we go. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Monday edition of the program, and Zach Osterman of the Indy Star is my guest. Before we get to Zach, don't forget the Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. And Zach, I know it's football season, and we'll talk about IU's loss at Maryland and what's ahead for football in just a moment. But first, I've got to start with basketball. It's decision day for Noah Clowney, and I think just from reading the tea leaves, IU has a great chance to add maybe a final piece to its 2022 class today, but Alabama sure does seem to have made up some ground with Clowney. At one time it was IU-Virginia Tech. Now maybe it's IU-Alabama, the true two contenders for Clowney services when he announces today. Yeah, I mean, I'll be perfectly transparent. Um, there's not a lot leaking out of this one, and, and I've tried to kind of poke around in a lot of different ways, and, and I don't think there's anybody that's just absolutely confident. Um, if you were asking me to handicap, and I always want to be careful about these things because it's really easy in the game of sort of modern social media telephone for me to say one thing and it gets twisted into another, and I'm not acting like anybody's hanging on my words. I hope that doesn't sound self-important, but I, I'm always just you know hesitant. I guess I probably wouldn't be very confident in IU's chances right now based on just the way that I feel like the wind is blowing. But I also wouldn't be very confident in me sitting here and saying, I know what's going on, if that makes sense. If we can square that circle, that, you know, I'm not super confident that I've got a feel for this, but the feel I've got does not feel very good about IU's chances. Hmm. if that makes sense. And, I, you know, I, I know there were people worried about kind of the lateness of the Alabama visit, and it doesn't always work this way, but, you know, I think it, it 
it's one of those rules of thumb in recruiting that's probably not quite as reliable as people think it is, but it sometimes turns out true because, you know, if, if you if you fill out B on the Scantron sheet, every single question on the test, you're going to get some of them right. Um, sometimes that last visit is the most impactful one. It's, it's the one that just winds up, you know, kind of being the freshest or the most interesting or w- whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, one way or the other, I just, I do, and I'm, I'm hedging a lot here just because I, I don't want to sound overconfident in any direction, but, um, you know, my, my best guess, my, my, my best and admittedly only moderately educated guess at this point is, is probably not IU, but this is also the time too. And I think we've seen this with kids where we thought they were going to IU a lot and then it turned out they didn't where there's just kind of an information void. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of interest and a lot of people asking and a lot of just sort of buzz around what can happen. Is it this, is it that? And, and then what, you know, because there's really not any info because the family's done a good job of playing their, you know, playing it close to the vest and they've kept their circle small, all that, then people just kind of rush to fill the void. And that's when you do get that, that game of telephone of, you know, sort of speculation suddenly becomes uh, common knowledge, suddenly becomes, you know, hardened fact. And like I said, how many times have we seen Indiana maybe be the one that fills that void, not intentionally, not like IU as a program is saying things, but just because it's Indiana and because, you know, IU fans are, are, are always going to be deeply interested, suddenly just the energy uh, around kind of IU's interest as a fan base and a recruit suddenly feels a little bit like something more than what it is. So it's possible that I'm just reading the room wrong in that way, to be very fair. Um, just if you ask me right now, I'd, I'd say probably not. Indiana, but I, I wouldn't say that with a heck of a lot of conviction. Yeah, interesting because uh, people that I respect, like Eric Bossy and some of the other national recruiting guys, uh, they don't seem confident enough to put in a pick, a, a crystal ball pick for whatever that's worth. There is some lean Indiana, they think, but no one seems to really have a great read on it. So I definitely respect your opinion, what you've been able just to size things up and put together. A texture Zach writes in uh, if Clowney is a no, is there a plan B, and if so, who? And then I would add to that before you answer, uh, because of Indiana's recruiting class so far and just total roster situation, I know that roster management is a big deal nowadays in college basketball with the transfer portal, but I don't know that there needs to be a plan B, at least right now, unless something falls in their lap in the 2022 class because of scholarship numbers and the transfer portal. But I'll let you answer. If Clowney were to be a no today, is there someone else IU looking to fill that void, that spot in 2022? No, I mean, there, there really haven't been any there haven't been any big names. There hasn't been any sort of like firm interest anywhere. I think Indiana kind of maybe skirted around the edges of a couple of recruitments, and sometimes you do that just to give yourself a backup option. Maybe sometimes you're doing it to try and apply a little bit of pressure to the, you know, the guy that you know is your main target. Um, I, I think you said it right there, too. And especially given IU's roster situation, you know, the only player that we know is not, well, and I, I wouldn't even say we know, but I think we can say with, with relative certainty is not coming back next season is Trace Jackson Davis. You know, everything he said around his decision to return this year was, I was ready to leave. Coach Woodson talked me around in terms of staying. 
so I'm going to give him one more year. I mean, he was he was pretty clear when he said one more year, kind of over and over again back in the spring. I think we can take him at his word that it's unlikely we'll see Trey Jackson Davis in an IU uniform past spring 2022. So there's one spot that opens up. But even when you've got your seniors, you know, you, you've got guys like Rob Finnessy or Race Thompson. In theory, they can have another year. And there may well be a world where Indiana wants them to have another year. It, it never... You can never be too experienced in college basketball. And so you've already got three kids uh, committed, obviously not signed yet, so that should happen soon. Um, you've already got three kids committed in 2022. You, you, you know, at least is what we know externally. You can only maybe count on one plus a little bit of roster turnover. So maybe count on just the, the hypothetical one more, whoever that is. Uh, at a minimum to move on just because of transfers and, and just the nature of how that works in college basketball. The other thing I would say, too, and we've talked about this kind of at the front end of recruiting, but I think it's interesting to contextualize it at the back end of recruiting, there's always a perception that if you miss on a guy in the fall, you better find somebody to fill so that you're not scrounging around in the spring for prospects that are um, – you know, that, that maybe you're taking too much of a chance on, basically guys that are still hanging around because they wanted their recruitment to open up or because some other options dried up on them. And, and so maybe you feel like you're, you know, you kind of, <clears throat> excuse me, need to take a bit of a risk on them or whatever you might say. Um, with the portal now, I don't think you need to think that way. I, I think that Obviously, the portal can work against you with kids leaving. Again, I think you've got to plan, even if you don't know specific names or you can't forecast specific names, you've got to assume that at some point along the way, you're going to lose a kid here or there just because, you know, that they want to look for something different. But um, you can also, if, if, if you're Indiana as an example, you can look at it and say, okay, well, you know, forward is a need. You're losing Trace Jackson Davis. One way or the other, at best, you've only got two more years of Race Thompson. So, you know, future-proofing that position is, is undeniably important. But I think even more so than before, you can kind of look at it and say, well, we don't need to force X, Y, or Z in recruiting because there may also be opportunities in the portal if we kind of if we get to the spring and we look around and, and maybe there's a piece there that no one expected. And so... I think that even even more so than before, I mean, I think, first of all, I think you should never force anything in recruiting, just as a general rule. I, I think that's a bad idea. Second of all, to answer that question specifically, I don't know of kind of a plan B or a next alternative as of now, if Clowney, no, Clowney doesn't commit to IU. But third of all, I think you're right that I don't think Indiana necessarily needs that that next option. It's, it's all right if maybe if Clowney winds up going somewhere else, I think it's all right if Indiana takes a step back and says, okay, well, let's just, you know, what we have, we hold, and let's just reassess where we're at in a month or two's time, see if anybody on our roster we think is, is, is thinking about leaving or maybe somebody's taking an unexpected leap forward or, you know, word starts to get around that a kid that we might be interested in is getting into the portal. I think that's probably maybe where you see Indiana more wind up here. Zach Osterman, the Indy Star, my guest. Good stuff on the Clowney decision. Again, coming up 5 p.m. today. You can watch it live on CBS Sports HQ. Zach's secret scrimmage over the weekend in Louisville. We know that Indiana was a winner by 11 points over Belmont. 
there's only been a few things leak out. I'll ask you if you know anything in addition, but the one thing that I've seen that I think will resonate very well with fans and listeners today is the Hoosiers, with a lot of unknown about this secret scrimmage victory, were 11 of 11 from the free throw line. Yeah, I, I heard that as well, and I think I saw Rick Buzz's report. Obviously, that is that is good news if you're Indiana. I, I don't have the um, the box scores in front of me, but I believe, if memory serves, they were pretty consistent from the free throw line in the Bahamas as well. In particular, the guys that you'd want to be, you know, the guards, the um, you know, maybe the players that you're going to be looking to to hit those crucial free throws late in games. You know, if you wind up in situations where maybe you're up a couple and, and your opponent needs to start fouling, the guys that um, would be the ones that you'd be looking to get the ball in their hands, I think that they were they were good in the Bahamas and, and presumably good again this weekend. And I haven't heard a heck of a lot more. I'm not surprised. Indiana has um, Indiana has, has been, if you think back to the Bahamas and not allowing those games to be televised or filmed, um, you know, and even coming around at times to fans and saying, hey, you know, you need to put away your phone, that kind of thing. Indiana's kept things tight. They don't want people to have too much advanced sort of scouting on them. Um, I did I, I, I did hear pretty reliably. I don't believe Michael Durr played. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's possible that one or two others were limited or maybe did not play. But I actually think, and, and this is encouraging, I think the majority of the roster played. And you know, number one, I, I get why that sounds sort of like, well, yeah, isn't that what you hope for? But given that Indiana had to call off one of its preseason scrimmages against Cincinnati because they just felt the roster was too banged up, and that was, of course, around the same time that we saw them cancel the Hoosier hysteria scrimmage for the same reason, um, I think Indiana was a lot healthier this weekend, was, was my understanding. Now, that doesn't mean that nobody sat out again. Um, I, I think Michael Durr was, again, a non-participant, which – you know, kind of continues to raise those questions when we didn't see Durr in the Bahamas. Um, and, and he, he was, you know, he was out through kind of an unspecified injury there. Um, but at very least, I think if you're Indiana, you, you, you feel good about being able to get, um, you know, the vast majority of your roster on the floor, if health and sort of wear and tear concerns in the preseason had started to pile up at one point. And that can happen. You know, the preseason is a grind. It, it, there's different kinds of wear and tear, you know, and, and in a season, it's obviously the, the you know, just the, the grind of, of game, practice, game, practice. And in the preseason, it's a lot more of you're just doing a lot of practicing, a lot of lifting, a lot of just physically demanding stuff all at once. And you can you can just pick up those little things that maybe you got to rest, you got to sit out and, and keep them from flaring up or turning into something more. And it seems like Indiana kind of got to a place where they uh, were dealing with less of that going into this weekend than they have been in the last maybe three or four weeks. Zach, one more basketball thing. Can you tell us anything else that you've heard about the secret scrimmage? We heard Indiana won by 11. We heard that they were 11 of 11 from the free throw line, I think 8 of 23 from three-point range. Someone else said Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson were both very good, but no other particulars were given. Anything you can add to that list as we try to glean some info out of this secret scrimmage on Saturday? Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm walking past a mower into this uh, into the Memorial Stadium at the moment, so forgive me for the background noise. The, the one other piece I did hear, Trace Jackson Davis looked very good, um, which isn't surprising. I mean, that's not, you know, forgive me, that's not Watergate-level uh, scoop news. Um, but, you know, listen, you want to see 
And we saw this in the Bahamas, too. You want to see your All-American playing like an All-American from the beginning. This is a new coach. It's a new system. You know, he's going to be asked to do different things. Uh, my understanding was he did hit one or two jumpers, you know, looking sort of facing the basket from 12, 15 feet, which obviously would be an encouraging addition to his offensive repertoire. Um, but uh, I think that, again, the more basic thing I said was, you're dealing with a new coach, a new offense, you know, new schemes. You're going to be asked to do different stuff. Your teammates are going to be asked to do, do different stuff. And so you're going to have to learn how to, you know, get the best out of them and really give them the best opportunities to create place for you in a totally different kind of setup. I think it's still encouraging. I think fans should still be encouraged to hear and see that Trace Jackson Davis really isn't missing a beat, that he's, you know, that, that none of this is, has really kind of taken him out of his – rhythm out of his game, whatever you want to say. Because um, that was that was the other thing, and I didn't hear as much about Ray Thompson, but I did hear Trace Jackson Davis uh, looked very good and played very well. And, and I guess if, if, if there's not one other thing that matters, I don't know that Indiana ever trailed in the scrimmage. Uh, um, I, think it's, I think it's possible they led pretty much wire to wire, which is what we saw in the Bahamas as well. And I get, you know, Belmont and BC Mega. I don't think there's a lot of comparison points there. But um, still... You know, if you're, if you're looking for bits and pieces, this is what we do with these secret scrimmages. You know, we we just try to we try to pull little bits and bits and bobs out of all of them. So. Absolutely, uh, Zach. I've got about two minutes left. I'm curious. Uh, I know we haven't talked much football today. I don't want to get out of here without discussing the performance specifically of Donovan McCauley. A little inconsistent, but I thought the offense overall was good, and I thought overall for him it was the first uh, uh, start against a Big Ten team, and Indiana didn't get the win. But to me, IU was uh, came up in the loss column more so because of the lack of the defensive side of, of performance. But I thought McCauley, for his first performance as a young, young guy that was not expected at all to be put in a situation like this this season, performed nicely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of credit has to go to Indiana's offensive staff, you know, Nick Sheridan um, and, and everybody kind of on that side of the ball. And I know it's been a year when maybe it hasn't felt like there's a lot of credit to be shared over there. And, and there have been times when probably the criticism that, that, that those coaches and, and just that side of the ball generally has gotten has been valid or justified. Um, and, and, of course, it, you know, it kind of goes without saying that at the end of the day everybody wants the result and performances aren't going to matter very much if you don't win. Um, but in the same breath, you know, for McCauley to look so sort of limited just in, in I don't say his knowledge of the playbook because that's probably not fair and it, it sort of carries some connotations that I don't want to convey. But I think more in terms of what he's comfortable with, you know, you think about kind of the, the end of Michigan State and then Ohio State kind of being a weird game in general. Um, it, it just it felt like night and day in terms of the command that he had and the command that Nick Sheridan had of what he liked and what he was comfortable with, what he could execute, what was going to get him in rhythm, what was going to sort of make him feel good as a quarterback. Anybody who's played sports, you know, you, you always need those moments when you sort of do something good and you feel like you've settled into a game a little bit and, um, and things are just kind of, you know, flowing in the right direction for you. And I think, I think that, that Sheridan and the offensive staff did a really good job of that this weekend. And as you said, it, it wasn't a, a flawless performance, but 35 points and 446 yards on the road with no turnovers. I mean, that's, that should be enough to get you a win most of the time. And, and with a true freshman quarterback who's only been in, 
in school for basically what four months, five months. You know, first career start on the road in the Big Ten. I think there's 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 some credit that goes around for that. And there's well, I think it's it's probably likely a bowl is now beyond Indiana this season. I think there's there's reason to feel good about kind of Indiana's future if if that's the starting point for a player like Donovan McCulley. Yeah, most definitely. Zach Osterman, the Indy star, with us Monday. Zach, as always, thanks for the chat, helping us get the week started, and we'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. All right. Also, a little breaking news here today. It's being reported that uh, the Celtics have uh, are using their fourth-year option on Romeo Langford for the 22-23 season next year, according to ESPN. Of course, Romeo was the 14th pick in the 2019 draft, so this is a big season for him to see if he would be retained for a fourth year by the Celtics. And, of course, that second NBA contract is always the big one. So good news for Romeo, very good news. He'll be around. It looks like Boston really believes in him. That's what I take from this announcement today, that uh, they believe in him. And now that he's back healthy, I have to believe that this news today signals that because he played over the weekend, got, I think, two points. He had had a calf uh, tightness where it kept him out for two or three games last week, late in the week. But I've got to believe as he gets healthy again and returns to the lineup in normal minutes, I think we're going to see him in a rotational spot. I mean, they're not going to keep him for the fourth year and then keep him on the bench uh, clearly, they've seen enough this offseason and in the preseason to exercise this option to keep him around for a fourth year. So great news today for Romeo Langford. We'll have more on this, but Romeo will be with the Celtics at least for another season. And I think this is uh, some big news for him as far as his NBA future goes. We'll head to a commercial break. The Thornton's text line is open at 502-414-1450. That's 502-414-1450. Don't forget to download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. We'll head to a break, and we're back with our final guest, Chad Gilbert, the athletic director at Charlestown High School, IHSA executive board member and former basketball coach in the area, joins us. Lots to talk about from a local perspective with him. Stay with us here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach, who got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Monday program. Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director and IHSAA Executive Board members, my guests. We always talk local sports in this segment. And, Chad, we've got overload local sports. Unfortunately, though, from a local perspective over the weekend, uh, things didn't go great. Silver Creek made a heck of a challenge against Indianapolis Rebuff in the 3A Volleyball Semistate at Columbus East. They were down two sets to nothing, won two sets in a row, scored the first point, in the fifth set, but Brebuff was able to get that fifth set win and advance on. So Silver Creek Volleyball, our last volleyball team remaining, they're out. Also, Providence Boys Soccer, I thought they had it until very late in the game. Westview came back, scored some late goals, and uh, got the state championship in Class A Boys Soccer. And in football, of all of our local teams that play football in Clark and Floyd Counties, 
heading into the sectional championship round, which I guess this is technically week three we're heading into of the postseason, we now have just one local team left in high school football. So a little bit of a bummer of a weekend, uh, Chad, from a local perspective. Well, you know, one thing, Matt, to think about, just putting things in perspective, it's November. Can you believe we've, you know, how fast the fall season went by? You know, I was thinking about us at the house here. We've not turned the heat on yet. I wore shorts till Friday. We've been blessed with a beautiful fall. And so that was great for our fall sport. We'll talk about Silver Creek's volleyball. We were able to host that regional, and Coach Zimmerman is an outstanding coach, Matt. You know, he's one of those guys who doesn't matter what he coaches, he's going to bring the best out of his players. They, uh, they ran through our regional without any problem at all. And the thing about that is I think Coach Zimmerman has won seven regionals, ten sectionals. He bred that culture where that's all that's acceptable to win and advance. So when he's been in the semi-state six games before, that was no big deal to them. They expected to be there. Will they get over the hump? Yes. When? That's yet to be determined just because Burbuff is no, you know, they're, they're no pushover. It's one of the premier teams in the state. So, you know, a great season by the Dragons. You talked about soccer, you know, Providence right there. And it goes back to the thing, you got to be good and you got to be lucky. Westview was able to sneak a go in, take it to overtime, and that, you know, just fell the short in the stick. But a runner-up finish is nothing to sneeze at. And you talked about football. The New Albany Bulldogs have had an, had an outstanding season. You know, this is one of the – probably in my involvement in high school sports, probably the best season in 20 years. Wouldn't you guess, Matt? You, you may have been in school then, the last time the Bulldogs yeah, had a season I, like I, that. I was a senior. And, you know, they had an opportunity to – they've won the conference and an opportunity to win the sectional. And then once you get past that, who knows? You don't have to be the best team but you have to be the best team that night. Now, their opponent in the regional will be a formidable opponent, as you and I both know, but at least you have the opportunity to play there. And, again, that's something to make your program grow and get better in the future years as well. Chad, maybe I'm – and I always want to be positive promotion of Southern Indiana sports, and I think overall we do a pretty good job of that. But I, am I hard on football in wondering why – we have just one team left in the third week of the postseason, and while we never have a semi-state team in, in football, it's been many, many years since we had. In fact, Charlestown was one of the teams that made a, a nice run uh, the last time we had a team that did a little, uh, had some postseason success. But am I tough on football, or is it just different because the sectionals, uh, look at Silver Creek, for example, who is in their sectional, the mileage that they either have to travel or opponents come to them from, which brings in a lot of great competition from different parts of the state, different parts of southern Indiana. Your, your thoughts really on kind of the lack of postseason success, and we've had no football state champion for many, many, many years. We've had, again, no, no one get beyond the regional for many, many years. Your, your thoughts on that? Well, you know, Matt, part of that is, you know, Brownstown's still, still alive in the Mid-Southern Conference, they have an opportunity to play Lawrenceburg, which will be a formidable opponent as well. You know, you talked about that Charlestown team. Very, very good team. Got beat by Gibson Southern in the regional that year. It's, you know, it's a, it's a deal where football in the state of Indiana has grown and grown and grown. And you're talking about Indianapolis again, who has separated itself from the rest of the state. 
Also, with that in football with six classes, the suburb schools in Indianapolis have gotten some of that spillage of kids over there, where in our area, we don't have that. There's not that spillage. That's your school. Uh, and, and I can even date back to when Evansville, coming out of Evansville, was a powerhouse. You know, you still have Castle down poised to make a great run this year. Gibson Southern in that area who's poised to make a great run. But you think of the years of right. You know, Castle had great years back-to-back-to-back uh, to back to back several years ago. Evansville North. It's, um, you know, it, it's just a different landscape right now. In Southern Indiana, we have very competitive teams in our conferences. And that's Hoosier Hills and the Mid-Southern Conference. You get out of that, and just the competition gets a little bit better, and the programs are just have a little bit more to choose from, pick from as it, as it goes on. Yeah, you know, it just uh, rights and in, in the Evansville success. I know Jasper's been good here recently, and there's other examples. But you know, from our immediate area, it would be something uh, with the drought that we've had to have a team really go on a postseason run and get to some state or even get to a state championship game, maybe win one. I think that would be a really big deal with all the success we've had in basketball and so many other sports. Football's the one. That I, and I just don't know enough about it, I guess, to, to, to know why. But uh, it seems to be a tougher path just to, even from week to week to get to get to the championship game of a sectional. And I've heard football coaches before have said, you know, Matt, winning a sectional at the football level I think means as much or more than any other sport because of the path and the toughness to get there and advance through the bracket even just that far. You know, a lot of sports, the sectional's over with in a week. Football uh, takes you three different games if you're going to come out with a sectional championship. Chad, lots of other hold high up, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you go any farther on that, I wouldn't <laughs> go as far to say that. I mean, that maybe that's the basketball coach in me, but I'm prepared as a coach in basketball. You're you're preparing for three teams <laughs> in, in one week. In football, you got a week to prepare for everybody. So I'm not buying that. <laughs> it, it football is a numbers game, and there are like I said, this has changed over the landscape. Think about. Many years ago, Perry Central made a run to the state finals. Clarksville made a run to the state finals. And just the way that the system has evolved over the year, it hasn't played well for Southern Indiana. And and even though know, you think about that a little bit, maybe in Northern Indiana it's not played well. I just think Indianapolis has so much spillage of population that it's something that uh, continues to separate itself from the state. I know we've talked about in basketball and other sports, but – Curious to watch how the state finals, the makeup of the state finals. And, again, remember, we're in six classes in football as well. So think about that and also think about the opponents and how they, the, the championship games match up. It'll be interesting for us and stuff and stuff we can talk about. Now, I do, I'm do. i not taking away anything from football coaches. Football's a different creature. But it's, uh, you know, I think it just goes back to Indianapolis and the separation through the rest of the state. Yeah, Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad, uh, boys' basketball practices begin a week from today, and the girls' season is already underway. Uh, in fact, later this week, we'll have some girls' basketball games involving local teams. So we're in that sweet spot right now. Fall sports wrapping up, winter sports getting underway. Chad, it is almost basketball season here in southern Indiana as we close out today. Matt, you sound like Christmas. You know, guy, my kids, when it's Christmas time, you're excited. You know, and, and it is an exciting time of the year. But you think about it, you know, one thing is, a, as a fan, you might think, well, why is boys' basketball season not even had a practice yet and girls' basketball season is starting games? Well, you know, that's, that's kind of set staggered so that way the girls' basketball has their state tournament over with before the boys' state tournament starts. So a lot of excitement, 
a lot of fun. Appreciate the run, and thanks for everything you do for Southern Indiana Sports, man. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert, my guest, and that's going to wrap up this Monday program. We'll be back Tuesday at 11 a.m. Don't forget, you can always find us on Apple Podcast if you missed the live show here on the Big X. Have a great Monday. We'll talk tomorrow here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. <laughs>